We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I'm excited to have Josh Spodek on the podcast today. He's an adjunct professor at NYU and Columbia University. Also a pretty amazing dude. He swam across the Hudson River. What? And has done burpees every day for the last six years. So that's pretty amazing. I hope you enjoy this interview as we talk about how to lead yourself and lead others and uh, pretty powerful stuff. So thank you for listening. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am really excited to have Joshua Spodek on the podcast today. He is a friend of a friend that I didn't even know about, and uh, it's always fun when you can make those kind of connections. He's a uh, adjunct professor at NYU and also an astrophysicist, so I think you're the first astrophysicist that I've had on the show, so thank you for being here, Josh. Glad to be here. I actually get that a lot. Surprising. <laughs> I thought more people would be into <laughs> astrophysics. <laughs> I know. Who, who would have thought? Well, uh, I'm excited to have you here. That was a very brief introduction, but would you mind just talking a little bit more about what it is that you do? Sure. The astrophysics is actually a long time ago, although it's the more recognizable thing. So, well, I'll start with there. I was uh, in undergrad. I got over my fears of being really, really geeky because I am really, really geeky and decided, all right, I'm going to major in physics. I went to graduate school to get a PhD in physics and did. And my thesis involved helping put a satellite into space that observes the cosmos. But along the way, I realized that I didn't, I love research. I didn't like the life of a researcher and it was a little too, too much debugging, too much time in the lab. And some friends and I, we started a company together 
And, you know, before that, I felt really trapped. I didn't know what, what I was going to do. But then starting the company was an amazing experience. I really loved being an entrepreneur, having a dream based on my invention. And uh, the company got up and running and we were doing really well. We expanded all around the world. And uh, this is in the late 90s. And then in the early 2000s, there was 9-11 and the bubble burst. And we weren't part of the bubble, but it still affected us. So I got squeezed out of the CEO position by the investors and spent a couple of years in a really difficult time. Went back, I realized I wanted to keep starting businesses. So I went back to business school to get an MBA, which I did. And there I started learning about leadership. Before Business school is where I learned that there were classes in leadership, in what a lot of people call the soft skills. So also like consulting and negotiation and things like that. And that was a, a huge transformation for me. I didn't expect it, but I'm really glad it happened because I started learning about emotional awareness and uh, social skills and things like that, which, you know, turns out physics isn't really strong in those things. Yeah. So that was a little over 10 years ago. And in the intervening 10 years, the first five years of those, I was like starting other companies. Is, that was the original plan, but also spending all this time learning about positive psychology and leadership and, and cognitive behavioral therapy and all this stuff that I, was completely off the radar for me for my life until that point. And then people started suggesting to me that people saw the changes in me, that I was more open and more allowed myself to be more vulnerable. And I was giving better, they were like, Josh, you're giving much better advice. You should like, what's, what's changed? And they were telling me I should coach and I should start leading, I should teach and write. And so I did. And then about five years ago is when I had this a huge experience, which is that, well, there are a couple of things, but the big one is, one of the big ones is that I, a friend of mine named Chris Lehman is the founding principal of the Science Leadership Academy in Philadelphia. And he and I go back to the late 80s. We were opponents on a, a different colleges playing ultimate frisbee against each other. And actually around this time, we were teammates on a club team and we went to nationals together, although that's a side issue. <laughs> and so he went from living in Manhattan and working at the Beacon School to being the founding principal of Science Leadership Academy. And I was, he, you know, we'd have these conversations. And at the time, I didn't really think much about education. And he would talk about how he would never give tests. And I was like, tests, you need the tests. I mean, that's part of school. And he would say, well, performance-based assessments are more effective. And I was like, oh, whatever, I don't care. I mean, I would listen to him, but I didn't really think much of it. And then next thing I know, he's in Philadelphia and he's, Bill Gates is visiting his school and Obama visits, visits his school and he's got this thing called Educon. And so I visit the school and I see that it's the community, I, I, I won't try to describe what it's like there. Just so much of an amazing educational experience that, I mean, you look in the classrooms and you can't tell who the teachers are and who the students are because everyone's collaborating. And that told me it's, oh, and, and if I talk to the students, their emotional maturity was much greater than I expected from high school kids. And also that in, in many ways, they, their, their sense of how the school was run, the leadership aspects of what they had was, it was surprisingly high to me. And so Sorry, this is a long answer. <laughs> That's okay. It's good stuff. Okay. I started realizing that what, how you learn is as important as what you learn, when, at, at least for what I'm teaching. So at the time, I was teaching leadership and entrepreneurship and, and coaching like to one-on-one -on -one clients and leading seminars here and there. And actually, meanwhile, I was, I was running other startups. This, you know, I was an entrepreneur and the education stuff was kind of on the side, but this is where it started really becoming very meaningful to me. And it started, like I started realizing this is something I really care about and I, I really want to devote myself to teaching more effectively. And so in the time since I first visited Science Leadership Academy during Educon, his annual, or that, the, that community's annual education conference, I, 
I just devoted myself to applying what I, the principles and the practice that I saw there to my practice and realizing that the lectures that I prepared were not effective. I mean, they're effective at something. I mean, if someone doesn't have any leadership awareness at all, better to learn, better to be lectured at than anything, than nothing, which is what I got in, in school. I got lectured at and we did case studies, but not a whole lot of active learning in business school. And then I started, so in the past five years, it's been incorporating what I learned there along with some other stuff that I learned of teaching more effectively to, oh yeah. And I should mention along the way, I got, I was going to all these incubators around Manhattan and talking to them about, you know, maybe I could help your entrepreneurs. And that led me to talk to someone at NYU who hired me to teach at NYU. And so that's how I began teaching at NYU was through promoting myself and as a, as a teacher to entrepreneurs. Huh, long answer. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff there. I think you might be interested to know that the school district I work for, Kodiak Island Borough School District, has a high school team that won the, it's called the NASA Whirlwind Europa Challenge, which is an international competition designed for universities and research teams and things like that. And anyway, what they did is they are using, uh, working with NASA high school students. So, you know, much like what is happening at SLA, they are working with NASA to do earthquake forecast systems that uses particles in the air to identify when an earthquake is about to happen. Anyway, for two years in a row, they've won that competition in Europe. Anyway, cool things that are happening. And well, congratulations. One of the things they're doing on the side is making boxes for uh, satellites to go up into space to collect data in space. And so, you know, you having that experience in Philadelphia and that changing your life and these kids here are doing a lot of the same things. And so it's amazing when that stuff happens that it really does make a difference. Now, when you went to Educon, you said that you saw that things were different. You could tell who was the teacher and who was the student. And how does that work in a university setting where you're at? Because it's very clear who the professor is and who the students are. <laughs> so how do you adjust that in a what I perceive as a strict, structured college atmosphere that is not typically like that? Well, there's, there's a lot of differences. And you know, a, a professor has more autonomy. I'm not sure. I haven't been a, a teacher in K-12, but I think that a, a college professor generally has more autonomy in their, in their classroom that, you know, I don't, I, I've never heard of a dean coming through and, and seeing how it's going in there or, or saying you must give this test at this time. So I have some freedom there. And I'll tell you the way that it, the first time I went to Educon, I just went on a Friday and just toured the school just to see it. Uh, I'm from Philadelphia. So it was, I just went early to visit home and, and just saw the school. And that's what got me to go the next year where I went all three days. And so when I, it happened that that year, Educon is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I was starting teaching that semester the following Wednesday. So that would be Monday. So like three days after Educon finished. So on Friday, I went around and, and was talking to the teachers about like, you know, no, there are no rows of students there. It's all, everyone's working in groups and they're usually standing and moving around and talking to each other. And I'd never seen that before. And so I thought, the more I talked to people, the more I thought this style of teaching would be more effective. The class that I was teaching was entrepreneurship and it was actually to graduate students. And I had my syllabus all ready. And on Friday evening, I thought to myself, I'm going to try in the next two days to redo my syllabus, this style of teaching. So Saturday morning, I'm in there and like people are talking about projects. And I was like, okay, I talked to the person next to me, like, what's a project? And 
then they're saying it's inquiry-driven, project-based learning. So I was like, okay, what's inquiry? And everyone I asked had slightly different answers. And all I can tell you is I would think of what I'm trying to get the students to learn and reverse, go backward to figure out what kind of experiences I would give them and how to give them autonomy with their own projects so that they can start learning on their own and come back to me as a resource, not have me tell them what to do. So, okay, so let me also mention another influence that's been a big influence on me, which is that the the way that we teach active, social, emotional, performance-based fields that are like leadership, and I'm thinking now of like acting is the big one for me, is we teach actors in a certain way. It leads to them being very genuine and authentic and expressive. And I thought that was something that would be useful for leaders to have. And so I, I looked about I looked at acting training and how that works. And they learn... If you, anyone's taken acting lessons or it's just, it's similar in if you want to learn how to play a musical instrument, if you want to learn how to dance, or you want to learn how to play a sport, you begin with the basics and the fundamentals and you practice them. And after you get skilled at them, you move up to the next more challenging set of skills and you learn those. And then you keep on moving up until you've mastered, until you've become like fluent in that field or in that domain, in that uh, discipline. Yeah. And so what's emerged from it is that I create a set of exercises based on how we teach acting and or music or sports. And then I combine that with a project. So I think in the education world, they would say I'm creating scaffolding to give them a project. So the structure of my courses generally works that each week I give them an exercise that gives them a set of skills. And then once I get up to a certain minimum, then I say, all right, time for you guys to create a project. And I give them a framework for the minimum, like what they would need to do for the project. And then I, I continue to keep developing or giving them exercises to develop more skills, but they're applying them to a project of their own creation. Yeah. So your focus is not so much on what their end product is, but more on making sure that whatever they're doing, they're applying the specific skills you want them to learn. Is that right? Yeah. There's a certain set of, I, I try to set up, I was about to say standards, but it's, it's. Uh, I mean, they're going to present their stuff to their peers so that they have a sense of like this. I've never seen someone who is willing to make their thing not look good to their peers. And I try to have them do presentations along the way, although I'm actually moving more toward videos from presentations. So I try to have them show their results along the way so that each, so really so I can create a, a race to the top that they can see what they're capable of and everyone tries to do a little more than they could when they see what others, what their peers are doing. Yeah, I like that that phrase. Everyone tries to do a little bit better than they thought they could, or however you said that. <laughs> People who are listening are like, "You didn't get that right, Jethro," <laughs> but that's okay. But you know, that idea of everybody's just trying to incrementally get better is is really powerful, and and I think that that is incredibly valuable in in whatever we're teaching. And I'm curious about how you bring that in to leadership, because it sounds like it's a perfect match for coaching leaders on how they can be better. Yeah, I guess I've, I've thought a lot about, I used to try to lecture people on how to lead. And now my goal is not to tell them the answers, but to give them experiences that they discover the answers themselves. So every all the skills that I thought were useful for a leader to have, I would go back and think of what in me led to developing that. Or if I don't have it that well, what do others. So some of the exercises I've created on my own and some I've gotten from other places like professors of mine or some exercises have just been around for a long time or from mentors of mine. And well, I guess the structure of the course is understanding your, there's four units. And the first unit is understanding yourself, then leading yourself, then understanding others, and then leading others. And so the first half is about yourself and the second half is about others. So the project kicks in in the second half. The first half, a lot of the exercises are, are, are reflective 
and especially the understanding yourself. It's, it's paying attention to your mental activity and your perception and how your beliefs affect your perception and how these lead to your motivations. Then in leading yourself, it's applying those things and creating habits, getting advice from other people, speaking authentically. And that gives you a framework, enough of a platform that you can, I then say, all right, think of a project, something in your life that involves people that matter to you on a project that matters to you. And think of a project that has some deliverable that will, that's a certain level of difficulty that, you know, you care about the outcome and that involves at least one other person that you're going to influence to help you create this outcome. And you have to tell me, what does success mean? What would failure mean? What's your role? What are other people's roles? So I tell them the framework of what a project means in this class, but then they have wide leeway within that to pick whatever they want. So some people pick things with like their roommates or their, uh, or their family. Sometimes it's something related to other classes. Sometimes it's something completely on their own. And in the end, they have to create a, a video that demonstrates what the thing was that they were trying to do, what they did to make it happen, what the, what the roles were and so forth. You know, it's from then, I just, every week, I just have them give updates on what they're, what they're doing and, and I try to be available for them. I, and we're still doing exercises to keep developing skills. Yeah, so I like that. And I think that that's a powerful way to approach it. How do you deal with the, the people that, um, maybe you don't get this, but how do you deal with the people who say things like, well, I, I'm not creative enough to come up with this kind of project. I, I'd rather you just tell me what it is that I need to, to figure out. What's, what's your response in those situations? Well, in my case, by the time we reach halfway through the course, they've already gotten on board. At the beginning, the exercises, the first exercise is a personal essay. And so everyone's written personal essays before, so that's not a big deal. The next exercise is the three reasons exercise. And this is a big, it's very easy to do. And some people don't do it. So it's, uh, and I didn't make this up. This is from uh, John Kabat-Zinn, who's this mindfulness guy. Uh, and he probably got it from somewhere else. But it's just to get three raisins and you can use some other dried fruit or little pieces of apple if you want, you know, something. Oh, raisins, not reasons. Raisins, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. And I mean, it could be peanuts. I mean, you know, just three of these and then three pieces of fruit and you put them in front of you, block off an hour. It doesn't take an hour, but lock off an hour. And by the way, anyone listening to this, I recommend, I think every year I ask people, should I do this before I, I assign it or when I assign it, but before they do it, I say, what do you think about this? And everyone's like, this is kind of weird. And afterward, I always ask them, should I do this next year? And they're like, yes, definitely next year. That's great. And it's experiential. This is to give them a taste of, this is stuff you cannot learn. I cannot lecture you what a raisin tastes like when you really pay attention to it. And, and the exercise is to eat the raisins completely mindfully, using all of your senses as if you'd never seen a raisin before. And one of the common things that happens is like people notice I've been eating raisins my whole life, but I haven't really paid attention to the flavor. And now that I pay attention to it, I realize there's flavors that I haven't noticed for a long time. And it's, it takes you back to the early times you've eaten raisins. And then a lot of people start thinking about how did this raisin get here anyway? I mean, it was a grape on a vine. I don't even know where, maybe California. And so maybe someone drove it here. And, and you start thinking about all these different things and, and maybe you start noticing your environment more. And a lot of people notice, if I haven't paid attention to the flavors of the raisin before, what else have I been not paying attention to? Have I been not paying attention to the people around me, to the expressions on their faces, to the tones of their voices? What am I missing? And it's, so it's developing skills of focus and attention. And it doesn't give you more attention. It just points out that you can focus your attention more. And okay, so that we meet the next week and most students will have done it and had some experiences like I talked about. And I'm kind of presenting it matter-of-factly, but a lot of students, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe what happened. This is amazing. And then the people who didn't do it are like, whoa, what? I? Some people just sit down, eat three raisins and 30 seconds later, they're done. 
And they come back and they're like, this is a waste of time. And then they hear what other people are doing and they're like, oh, I did it wrong. Or (laughs) I better go do it again. And then there's a couple other exercises where if people didn't get on board, if they were just looking at this perfunctorily, they realize they're missing something. So by the time you're halfway through, they're not questioning this style of learning. They're saying, why aren't there more classes like this? And they're getting into it. And so the heart, you know, I, I ramp up like that. And that came through experience. Yeah. And having that experience, I think, is incredibly, incredibly valuable for someone to start thinking about things that they take for granted, especially is is something that we certainly need to do more of. And especially with with kids, I spent two years living in Russia and had a much different experience over there than I had here in the States. And what was fascinating to me was that people still survive, people still live but their lives, their experiences are so much different. And that taught me so much more about respecting other people and where they come from and their own personal stories than I could have ever imagined learning about. And so now... Yeah, this is life-changing stuff. I mean, for my own life. Yeah. When you meet somebody new, then you you get a little tiny slice of them, but there's so much more that makes up that person that it's just incredibly powerful to think about all the different aspects of them as a person, and then you start looking at problems. And so I see how that overcomes the the barriers to doing something that is is going through those exercises that you're talking about. Yeah, I did. I mean, when I did three raisins the first time, probably about 10 years ago, I spent about 30 minutes eating three raisins and I was just blown away at the, what I was noticing and what I didn't notice before. And I'd, when I did it, I had a bowl of pasta that I was going to eat after doing the raisins exercise. And so that bowl had gotten really cold. And so I reheated it. And then I, I, like, I twirled up the, the spaghetti on my fork like I normally would. And I was about to put it in my mouth. And I looked at how much spaghetti was on my fork. And I was like, I was going to eat that? Like, that's so much. I mean, ever since then, <laughs> I've eaten less. Like, almost for years and years, up until not long ago, every meal that I would notice it, I would, I would at least one or two bites, I would close my eyes. You know, if, if I'm at a table, I don't tell people, hey, pardon me, I'm going to do this little three raisins remnant. I would just, you know, pay attention to a few bites more than usual. And you eat less and you enjoy more. And it's moved me a lot more toward vegetables and fruits and fresh stuff. And the whole thing about being experiential is you pay attention much more to experiential thing. I mean, to, to your life around you. And in leadership, that's very important. It's, it, people can tell when you're not paying attention to them. People can tell. I mean, if you're in any leadership role, a principal with teachers or a teacher with students or parents with students or, you know, in, in my world, it's more of, of well, me as a, as a professor with the students, but also as an entrepreneur, it's with various different constituencies. People know when you're not paying attention to them. People know when you're trying to get something from them for to benefit yourself at their expense. And a huge part of what I teach is to pay attention to other people and be aware of what they're saying, what they're, you know, I mean, what I'm saying is be empathetic. And it begins with being aware of your senses. It begins with self-awareness and how, how we process these things. Yeah, that's so powerful. We recently started mindfulness detentions. It's an awful word, but it's what we do when kids are tardy multiple times to class. And so I think doing something like the three raisins exercise will be a good thing to do during that time and will, I'm sure, totally blow their minds because they'll, I know exactly what they'll do the first time with the first raisin and we'll have to coach them and say, no, don't, don't do that. Eat this slower and, and really think about it. And I think that'll be a, a neat little experiment to try. So I'm going to do that and, and I'll let you know 
how it goes because I, I think that's really powerful and our kids certainly need empathy and understanding and, and awareness of, of the people that they're interacting with. That was a great interview with Josh. We're going to continue next week. We're going to talk about his step-by-step courses and his books and how he learns to influence others' behavior. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.